0: Set your sail for the orange and blue sea. Yeah! Welcome to the Java Men podcast. Your MC, Jubes, is on the line, and we got... Shaps and we got Jesse as well. Uh, we got a uh, jam packed show for you this evening, as well as uh, some international news that we'll get to a little bit later. Um, but just wanted to check in and see how everybody's feeling after the uh, past couple of wins.
1: It's good to be back, Tubes. Just a roller coaster of a couple weeks as an Illini fan. But uh, what a difference a
0: week makes. To kick things off, Uh, I want to tell a little bit of a story that happened this past weekend, or week. Um, So we had a buddy in town for dinner, and uh, Matt, uh, Mr. P, and I went out to dinner with him at a uh, nice Italian restaurant, um, hoping we would get the Illini game. Eight o'clock comes around. We uh, asked the uh, bartender to turn on the TV, and of course they uh, don't get Big Ten Network so uh, we had to rely on the uh, Java men text string to see what was happening in the, north, the first half of the Northwestern game. Um, it was a great Italian spot, by the way. Um, very nice food, very good people, friendly neighborhood establishment, um, but didn't get the game. So we had to rely on the text. And a lot of what we heard is uh, um, that the refs were you know, the issue, which seems to be a common theme with, with the Java men. <laughs> Um, Wait, so, which
1: which game was this for?
0: Uh, Nebraska. It
1: was a Nebraska game? Okay. Well. Yeah,
0: so, so we heard that the refs were an issue in the first half. Um, it's consistent with all other games that Illinois is not blowing the other team out by 40. Um, so it was good to hear when we got home that we were actually, you know, handily um, taking care of them. But uh, <laughs> didn't get to see the first half uh, because we were out to eat. Great little Italian establishment then. But before I get into the <laughs> games, thinking of Italians, it does uh, bring me to our first segment, which is a new recruit out of Italia. See. Si. Does anybody have the lowdown on uh nicolo moretti i believe his name is and what he will bring to the program
2: yeah sure jubes i can take that we have uh a 6-2 point guard coming to us out of italy from australia so the treasure map leads us all the way to australia <laughs> jeff alexander hopped aboard the pirate ship and took us down there uh to the uh the NBA Global Academy. So this is just you know a pedigree of uh, international players that you know try and be seen by the large programs. Uh, fun fact: uh, Matthew Dellavedova came out of this exact same academy. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So you know there's some experience there. There's not much tape on this guy, but he does bring something we desperately need, and that's a true point guard. Uh, we'll get to the Sky Clark news in a bit, I assume. Uh, but without him, you know, uh, we, we've, we're, we have a void there. Um, Jaden Epps can only do so much. Um, you know, you've seen uh, TSJ fill in a bit at points. Um, sincere try and do it. But uh, we don't have a true facilitator. All those guys are uh, focused elsewhere in their game. We were talking a bit about it in the text, Shane, but Piper uh, said he was most like Andre Curbelo, which hmm. Hmm. via, like, again, there's <laughs> about five minutes worth of tape and highlights out there on him. Like, I get it. Um, it's a guy, yeah, again, that we could use. Uh, pass first, he says that himself. Um, but, I mean, he's coming in undersized, small. There's, there's also... An argument around his height. I would say probably ninety percent of the articles list him at six two, but there are some out there at six foot, which <laughs> is meaningful. That's
0: that's that's concerning.
2: This is yeah. like the Bryce Young, uh,
1: you know, the <laughs> Alabama quarterback. Like, like he's listed as like six feet tall, but like if you look at him stand next to other people, he's like five nine. So,
2: well, <laughs> yeah, Kofi Coburn might have been thirty years old. We don't know. <laughs> that's true. Um. So, I don't know, yeah, it seems like exciting news. Uh, the, the weird thing is he's eligible to start, like, immediately. So, I mean, I, I'm uh, assuming he's going to be like a um, Perrin kind of guy that just comes, sits on the bet- bench and practices, uh, can be of emergency use. But I don't think you want your your point guard, your facilitator, your floor general having zero experience with the team.
0: So. It
2: was a good recruit, though. Good find. You know, it's crazy that, that really there's been a ton of international recruits. Like, I don't know if you really count Puerto Rico, but we've had a ton of recruits from that area. Absolutely. You got, you know, Kofi. It, there's been a lot that haven't worked out. Uh, vassal Metic uh, <laughs> Bossman Verdanc, uh but you know you, you can find a Georgie internationally and uh, so hopefully that's, that's what we got here Yeah
1: Jeff uh, Alexander has been a busy guy traveling the international waters lately and also installing an entirely new offense for the Illini so he's a busy guy but Yeah, it seems like a good signing. I mean, yeah, like Jesse said, he is supposedly a true, true point guard who was really impressing the NBA scouts, too, who were, like, at that academy showcase thing. And so, and that's what we really need is, like, a true point guard who's going to facilitate. Yeah, he obviously needs to, like, get in the weight room probably for a while and get with the Fletch and get bigger and everything. But should fit in pretty well, I think. Um, And yeah i mean the the timing is doesn't really seem like a coincidence (laughs) and i think even piper mentioned that they actually wanted to bring this guy in at the start of the year but i think with sky on the team they're like okay maybe not but yeah i mean a week after sky walks away from the team we happen to bring this guy in so yeah pretty good timing i think on their point on their part but uh yeah, well, I mean, I, we'll, we'll probably have to get into the Sky stuffs too, uh, next, because right after our pod drop last week, that's that's when we got the news about Sky, so we haven't even talked about that yet. What was your reaction to that, Jubes?
0: I can't say I was surprised. Um, I think from how the season's gone so far, you kind of pinned him as a transfer candidate at the end of the season. Um, he's mostly, he's, he's had some points where he was really, where you saw like the flashes of why he was, you know, a five-star recruit initially, but he just wasn't able to be consistent. And also, um, his defense particularly is really where, um, he, he hurt Illinois. Um, I kind of I wouldn't say it was exactly like the plumber situation where teams would just attack him or get him like one on one in ball screens and just go at him to the rim. But they did use you know his inexperience and his tendencies to jump passes and try to get in lanes and make something happen um, as a way to uh, kind of get to the basket easily or he's got he got burned on a few back cuts. Um, so he didn't, he didn't play a ton after he started these games. Uh, and you got to think that we don't know what's happening or why he's, why he's gone or if it has to do with basketball or, or not. Um, but it, it doesn't surprise me that he is leaving or, you know, leaving the program, um, for at least the time being. I mean, you have to think, I don't know if you, you would both agree, but the fact that they're bringing this guy in now, um, By the way, the only thing I saw about this guy is he looks like he plays like basically like Goran Dragic on the Bulls. Um, He has like a lot of the same mannerisms and they're both lefty and they make the same types of passes. Um, If he's anything like Dragic, I mean, that would be pretty awesome because Dragic was really good. Um, So, but, but yeah, I mean, the fact that they're bringing this guy in, it doesn't seem like Sky's returning to the program this year, Um, but I do wish him the best of luck and hopefully he's you know getting um whatever sort of um help he needs or his family needs to um you know get him through whatever they're going through right now um so yeah not sure if you guys have anything else
2: and i don't i don't think it's a hot t- take that that he's probably gone for good and i think it lessens the blow that you know at least in the short term um it it really wasn't working out great like you look at the statistics, um, you know, that Evan Mayas is of the world and Sky Clark was was not was not adding much value on the floor. Um, you know, he didn't pass the eye test either. Um, but, I mean, I think on the downside, it was always a question, you know, could we actually make noise in March with a freshman point guard? And now it's can you make noise without a point guard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, we, we got some, some work to do to figure that out. Um, you know, again, it kind of all goes back to Jaden Epps and what he can really do there. But yeah. And he,
0: I mean, Epps was, I think a primary reason why Brad had a very short leash with Sky. Um, Sky was definitely bigger than him and able to guard, you know, one through five a little bit better, which is why they went the whole off season with this switch everything thing that lasted about two weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, Epps is, I mean, we're relying heavily on Epps. He, he might be like our third most important player at this point. Oh, wow. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm calling that a stretch, but. And he doesn't even start.
0: <laughs> who, who do you think? So in my opinion, I think Shannon is our most important player, um, I think Coleman Hawkins is an important player because of what he does on the defensive end. And when he, it's kind of like the Curbelo effect where when he's really good, you have a a very good chance of winning. And when he's not good, you have a very good chance of losing. Um, And then, you know, that third spot you you could argue it's Matthew Meyer. Um, You could argue it's Dane danger, but I think from a scoring perspective, and creating for others i think apps is probably up there with one one of the most important pieces now especially given the minutes that he's going to get
2: so i would yeah. argue matthew meyer um yeah. I, you know i you brought up scoring and creating and whatever like matthew meyer brings that plus he brings defense um i mean some of the blocks he's had in these last two games phenomenal um and jubes you're a stat guy stats say Matthew Meyer is like one of the best players in the country I mean that's one of the things that doesn't necessarily pass the eye test but like yeah yeah his numbers are always great yeah yeah I think we
1: talked about like in one of our first episodes at the start of the season was the most important players going in and and I think most of my, my strong opinion was and I think We kind of agreed was coleman hawkins was probably the most important part and then the other part was sky clark or Jaden nepps like whoever emerged really as like the main point guard because we knew we were going to be fine on the wing like we knew shannon was going to be good we knew meyer was going to be for the most part good and we knew you know like if melendez continued to improve we weren't worried about the wings It was really, can Coleman Hawkins step in and be the starting five? And can, you know, one of the freshman point guards emerge? So, and I think that's, we've kind of seen that to be the case uh, already. So, yeah, I mean, I was still, I mean, I wasn't surprised on Sky, but the timing of it was was obviously weird. Like, I mean, a a midseason walk away from the team is always a little shocking for sure and we don't really know exactly what's going on with him because he's he's not really transferring as of yet he's he's just stepping away I mean I'm sure it's related to how the season is going for him which isn't well but you know you don't know if it's like the injuries that he's been through probably on top of just the stress and the pressure and all that stuff you know I mean it's hard to say, but somebody also reminded me on Twitter that he went to four high schools in four years. Also, so did like, he really? Yeah. So wow. Yeah, which like I didn't, I, even, like, I didn't even realize that, and so not coming from the most stable of environment, and I I tend to not blame the kid in these situations. It's a lot of times the the family, the parents, the people around them just aren't giving you know the best advice and so it's unfortunate uh for sky because we we know he's he's obviously talented uh but yeah it's clear like you could just see i mean i was at the northwestern game and you could see when underwood would point at him and tell him go check in first off my reaction was always like oh great like (laughs) here comes sky but i would look at sky clark getting off the bench and he basically had the same reaction that i did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of, like, oh, shit, I have to go in. And, like, he just brought the whole energy down. So, I mean, I, I it's not a surprise that, honestly, the, the team is has been playing a lot better. I'm not saying, like, he was a locker room cancer or anything like that. I, I don't think that's probably the case. But I think just on the court, you can see just there's more energy and the ball moves better. Like, this was our debate way back about Epps versus Clark. Too of of like the ball just moves better when Epps is in the game, and it just did not do that. It was got it got very stuck when Clark was out there. So I don't know. Should yeah? Should we get into the the recap of of the last two games because they look like a completely different team the last two games. I don't know if it's the competition, maybe, or I I, I mean it seems like something has changed though. I don't know. What did you guys think?
0: Yeah, I mean it. it it's definitely something. Um, as a, a wise man once said, uh, uh, "It's crazy when you run offense, what you get." Um, Wait, who said that? Brad Underwood. Um, I believe the great philosopher Brad Underwood uh, in the year twenty twenty three. Jesse, I don't. I didn't know if you you heard that one. I'm um, yeah. from Brad. Um, unreal but it yeah I mean again we don't know if it's again my my theory on the pot I don't know what was going on but the shoulder injuries led to these the benching of these players um, and we were two for two on that with Melendez and Clark and we don't I don't think that Clark leaving the program like is the reason why they're winning these two games um, I think it was kind of a combination of everything that happened and losing to Northwestern and in the way that they did. Um, but you can tell that in these two games. So first game they beat, I believe it was number, was it 14, 14, 13, Wisconsin, uh, 79 to 69. They were without, um, wall who is their best player by far. Um, and they looked much better than Wisconsin the entire game. Um, and then that was a home game. So, you know, good to get that one on, the, on, the, on your belt. And then you got Illinois beating Nebraska 76-50 to 50, um, in Lincoln, um, which, again, is a game that you should win. But Illinois, ha- I, I don't think they had won a true road game. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on this. Um, until that point um so the I mean my reaction to those games um, that I was able to to see anyway um, <laughs> stands the first half of the Northwest or the Nebraska game is that they were running the spread offense um pretty much the majority of the time um and what was happening was, after the initial action um, didn't work, they would go into kind of the secondary action where they'd go to pick and rolls and they'd get guys moving um, on dribble handoffs. Um, and that really opened up the floor for a lot of their guys. And I thought that they were getting, um, they were getting Shannon um, and Epps and Meyer and and the guys who need to score um, in in the right spots. Um, within the offense, which I thought was really good. It also helps when you don't turn the ball over as much as uh, they had been in the past. Um, they only had nine turnovers against, or wait, no, they had 10. They had 10 turnovers against Wisconsin, which by Illinois standards is like incredible. <laughs> um, and then they had 11 against Nebraska um, and the Paxton, uh, AJ Rodden, um, Lee, we're getting a little bit uh, careless with the basketball in that la- those last fifty nine seconds. No, they didn't have any turnovers, but um, <laughs> but you, the the ball was moving so much more. And um, before I kick it over to you guys, you just have to wonder why it took this long um, for this to happen. Uh, because I think we could all agree in. Th- the, the biggest thing with with basketball and especially when players are very good is that results aren't necessarily the, um, the result of inputs. And what I mean by that is they beat some they beat Texas, they beat UCLA, they beat some pretty good teams, they held close with Virginia. But you can tell in all of those games, it was just because Illinois had really, really good, basketball players and really good shooters. If you were to look at those games and said, is Illinois getting good shots? I think all of our answers would be, they could be getting better shots than they're currently getting. But I think in the UCLA game, Shannon went eight for nine um, on threes. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Uh, in the Texas game, Matthew Meyer got really hot. And that's going to happen in games. Um, and that was great. It's, it, you want it to happen against the, the best opponents. But you could tell that like this style of basketball wasn't sustainable on the offensive end and so you you got to wonder what took this amount of time to get them to understand that like they could not play one-on-one basketball in um division one college division One against you know high major uh teams so i'll kick it over to you guys for your reactions but i'm also curious to hear your thoughts because i think that a lot of that is is, you know, the coach not telling you what to do. And I also think that if he was telling you what to do and the players aren't doing it, then somehow that needs to get through even by either by timeouts mid games, telling them to run the offense or by benching. So I'm interested to hear your, you guys' thoughts, but really happy with the adjustments I saw um, from Illinois and the coaching staff.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my question. Mm to you jubes too is like well did they just shoot the ball well or (laughs) like are they getting better shots because sometimes the game is as simple as like just make shots like the team that makes shots is gonna win the game i mean i it seemed like they were getting better looks because they were actually moving like and it was catch and shoot shots as opposed to you know dribble dribble like step back type thing and like people weren't like getting hot. I mean, H- Coleman Hawkins was obviously scorching the nets, but like they were in rhythm shots. Like, is that what you saw?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- there, there were no step backs. I mean, that ha- there were some threes that went up that, you know, were off the dribble, but that was very minimal. It was mostly shots within rhythm, no pump fakes, getting the ball, <laughs> making a decision, either shooting it or passing it. Um, guys moving off of drives which would happen a lot in the first games is they were playing kind of like a five out style so when someone would have the ball everybody else would just kind of be standing there um and now if someone was driving to the basket there was some circle action to have a the guy you know maybe pop out to the three point line or if a guy's coming to you and you 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 pick and roll maybe the the other sides moving for a, for a shot at the top of the key and You're you were seeing that a lot more um, in these two games versus the other ones. You saw it a little bit in Northwestern, but most of that game was unnecessary shots. And and this team, I think the issue that we all have is like they can get away with it at times because they have they have you know as of now they have two draft prospects with possibly a third. in Matthew Meyer for, for this year and they can get away with that type of stuff and other teams not, not can't necessarily. So um, I think they're just getting better shots than they did in the past two games, but Japs, I don't know if you,
1: yeah, no, else? it, it, it seems that way too. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science that mm. like offense is better when you're not standing still and you're moving without the ball and you're cutting and you're, you're being aggressive And you're trying to get to the rim, but if you don't get to the rim, you're going to collapse the defense, you kick it out to an open shooter, and Coleman Hawkins, shoot the damn ball, (laughs) instead of just pump faking and dribbling to God knows where, and just making life difficult on yourself. So it, it finally got through to him. Maybe he heard me at Northwestern just screaming from the rafters, like, shoot the damn ball. But somehow they got through to Coleman Hawkins that he needs to just shoot the damn ball. He absolutely lit it up against Wisconsin.
0: Six for nine. Nice.
1: Yeah, very nice. So that was awesome to see. Just like for his confidence, if if nothing more, like, yeah, I can, I can actually shoot the ball. And like, that's what he needs to be focused on. Because when he dribbles, it's almost an automatic turnover. Nebraska, I was impressed too, because... We actually did not shoot the ball well. We only shot like 27% from 3 in that game, but we still dominated. I mean, our defense was really really good. Um, but also because we got in the lane and and then we as the game went on, we kind of started hitting more shots. But um yeah, I, I mean, like you said, it's it's something has obviously changed and they're they're finally getting through to these guys, I think and hopefully it is sustainable but I, I mean yeah i think the defense the defense is interesting too jubes because they've obviously <laughs> and you mentioned it too that you spend the entire offseason doing the switch everything thing and then you realize we really don't have the personnel like we we kind of thought that we did but you
0: had it with one lineup right
1: you yeah exactly it's mm-hmm. it's kind of funny to think about because it's like we, we tried to envision some team that wasn't... And, like, maybe Underwood envisioned some team that wasn't actually there. Where, where, like, everyone was kind of the same size. But that's really not the case. Because, like, both of our guards are, like, under six feet tall. So when they switch everything, they were getting killed. And then you have Dane come into the lineup. And, and that screws everything up. So they just threw that in the trash can. And they went back for the most part. They sometimes switch... Uh, on a couple possessions, but for the most part, they're just going back to just playing good, solid defense. And as long as they're not getting lazy and reaching in and picking up stupid fouls, the defense is elite. And Dane is an elite, elite rim protector that we haven't seen in a long since, like I don't know Nana Egwu or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's been fun to watch. So like, and. I was never really worried about the defense, you know once they went back to what they used to be doing, but if we can make shots on top of that because the defense is is great, but if you're turning the ball over constantly and you're not making shots, you're gonna make life pretty difficult on yourself um, but yeah it's it's been fun to watch the last few games for sure.
2: I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, I thought it was interesting. In Brad Underwood's conference, he mentioned that over the last two games that they've moved up 20 20 spots in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency. Like, coaches don't normally reference Ken Palm. (laughs) No. And then he said, like, he wanted to finish in the top 15 Ken Palm. Like, great for Ken Pomeroy. Like, this guy's making waves. I sent that quote to Jubes earlier. Today. Oh, really?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it. Show it shows that they're paying attention to the analytics, right?
2: Respect, respect to Brad. Uh, Jesse, did you see anything in these games? Well, I mean, you, you guys didn't even mention. I mean, this was the Terrence Shannon show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Jubes, credit to you. You know, as you were talking about the change in defense, or sorry, the change in offense. You were saying that you needed to get. Shannon the ball while he's moving toward the basket. And, I mean, most all of his points are around the rim. And, you know, getting the ball in motion and driving, and no one wants to get in front of Taryn Shannon when he's moving to the rim. Um, and so, yeah, you saw that. He had, what, 24 against Wisconsin, 25 against Nebraska, and, um, that Nebraska stat line was was so it's twenty-five I'd say <laughs> twenty-five points, eleven rebounds, yeah. four assists, four steals. Um plus twenty-five. <laughs> yeah. I, I so I saw another stat that um, you know, having those that stat line minimum has only happened four times in the last twenty years in the Big Ten. Like that's a phenomenal game. So I'm gonna say Terrence Shannon is back. He's found his groove. We we don't we, yeah we we don't know who we're gonna assign this blame to. There's a small sample size, but maybe it was Sky's fault. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you get
0: him the ball in kind of like a dribble handoff situation where Dane or Coleman catch it and they take one dribble and uh, go to kind of the 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 uh, elbow extended and get him moving left towards the basket. No, no one is trying to guard him when that that's happening, you know, and that, that's, that's what's going to help um, him is getting comfortable and being able to attack early because I think he even said this in in his post game. He said that he was being a little um, not timid, but he was trying to let the game come to him and get his teammates involved and I think he realized now he needs to be the guy just going at it. I mean, he got in the, in the games, the initial games that we won, like especially UCLA, he was going to the basket every single time. Right. And they, they took away his left hand a little bit, but you got to adjust and figure out a way to get him back to that. Um, and if someone, if they try to play drop coverage or they try to, you know, pack the, the defense in the lane, he can kick it out. Um, but you got to get him the ball to be able to do that. So with these two games, um, we we have another um, segment we always do called "Captain of the Ship" and "Walk the Plank." Um, so I will start. Um, How convenient! On this one, um, "Captain of the Ship" in these two games. Uh, I will say, is Brad Underwood. Wow. Uh,
2: wow. So Stop the I, presses. Had Br-
0: <laughs> I had Brad Underwood walk in the plank last episode, uh, told him he needed to actually think about how they can run an offense. Um, he was able to get them running an offense or set plays most of the time and really helping his guys out. Um, and I think that by putting this type of scheme in, it's allowed these guys to get in a rhythm and then be able to create on their own. Um, what's, what's happened in prior games, as I've mentioned, is that it's been stagnant and, and it's been difficult for guys to get into a groove. Um, and getting them to run an offense and, and move has really helped all of them. Um, and the defense with Brad Underwood is, has pretty much always been there. Um, I mean, there's been times where a couple things have happened, but for the most part, you can count on the defense with Brad and that's, that's good. Um, but you also need to score points too, especially against, um, elite teams that aren't Wisconsin without Tyler Waller, Nebraska, um, two good wins. It's, it's good. You get those wins. No no wins are easy, but, um, you're, when you play the Michigan States of the world that are four and one in in the big 10 or. Um, you're going to be able to need to score points as well. Um, So really happy to see that from Brad, and I will give my props. Uh, I I will say, you know, it's not something you should have to, like, realize um, halfway through or, you know, a month into the season or so, but I'm happy that he did make the adjustment, and so I will give him the kudos. Uh, Jess?
2: Oh, captain, my captain, Terrence Shannon. He's been my captain three times in a row. Um, I don't see myself ever changing it. I, you know, gave the rundown of his his week. Um, he's the captain.
0: Japs.
1: It's funny because I was gonna go with Underwood just to <laughs> mess with, just to mess with Jubes.
0: Hey, I'm I'm a. <laughs> I I'm an objective observer. Um it takes a I big don't... man.
2: Well, so yeah. he he double du- he double walked the plank last week. Maybe he could
1: be the double captain. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm going to yeah, I it's funny cuz I so I, <laughs> at first I was going to go with Underwood, but the name I wrote down was I wrote three letters down, T S J. Mm. So Jesse I, I'm in the uh same boat as you. It's got to be Shannon for the last two games with those 20 point outings especially the bounce back too after I think he had nine points against Northwestern. He's obviously very frustrated he, I think he you know he puts a lot of weight on his shoulders and he knows he has to be the leader of this team. I think he was getting frustrated because defenses were obviously keying on him and collapsing and, and making things difficult and he wasn't getting any, you know, out of those close calls and like it, it like it, it was a tough time for him. And also when he would kick it out, nobody would be willing to shoot the ball, you know, so I think the fact that other guys on the team are actually knocking down shots are only going to help him more to getting into the lane. Because when those rotations are a little bit slower, like he just needs a little bit of a crease, and he's either getting to the rim or he's getting fouled, and he's a really, really good free throw shooter. So, yeah, TSJ is is definitely my captain of the week.
0: I think uh, who could be lead uh, deckhand hand uh, would be Coleman Hawkins. I Agree. He's got a big turn he, a turnaround as well. He deserves an honorable um,
2: mention here. Yeah, he is. He deserves. Yeah. An that that, that right. dunk yeah. we've been waiting for all season. You we know. ride
1: Coleman pretty hard. He probably <laughs> got the brunt of the criticism during the, the losing streak, really. And all we've been asking for was him to just shoot the ball. Like, we all knew that he could do it. It was it was just him actually, like, believing in himself. And, and so it's great to see. But I, I cracked up because the one time he had a pump fake, it was that in the corner, and oh. he pumped. And drove down the baseline and slammed it home. So I I couldn't stop laughing because it was he actually created a good play off of the pump fake.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was he again. It was it's kind of like the Curbelo thing. Like Cur- Coleman Hawkins is a much bigger difference maker on defense than Curbelo was. But you, the highs and lows of your team, if you if you can get him at mostly the highs, you're you're he's going to be a problem because he can shoot and he could protect the rim and play defense and that's why he's a nba draft prospect right it's not for his ability to create um off the dribble that's not what he can do or that's not what he will do when he goes when he if he gets drafted in the nba and he plays in the nba he is going to play the rj melendez role on offense where he is going to sit in the corner um and wait for a shot that's that's what he's going to do
1: three and d um
0: yeah shannon twenty four points against Wisconsin and then 25 against nebraska i mean that's that's good stuff um since I went first on the plank um I'll let uh chaps you went last, so we'll let you go first on this
1: one <laughs> okay so walking the plank this week is the journalists <laughs> Stay with me. Journalism had a rough week. (laughs) (laughs) If you follow uh, the Illini, rough week for the journos. Um, First, last week we had the the Sky Clark news come out, and there were certain guys, certain Illini guys, that might have wanted to be, you know, first to the to the cashier, I guess, to to cash in the, the Sky Clark news. And they strongly, without saying, strongly inferred that he was transferring from the program. So everyone obviously ran with that, and Illini Nation is pretty passionate, maybe not always the smartest group of people when it comes to Twitter and tweeting at kids and... Reacting negatively when something bad happens. And so, you know, everyone kind of attacked Sky Clark during that time period. Well, then later on, it comes out that he is not necessarily transferring, he's just kind of going through something right now. And then Brad Underwood came out with a statement supporting him. So these Illini guys didn't really look too good. Uh, And then they stayed up all night trying to defend their terrible journalism. So it just made it look even worse. So rough week for them. Then on the morning of the Nebraska game, it came out that Matthew Meyer might have gotten injured uh, at practice or something. Something like with his foot (laughs) and he might be out for the game, out for the season. Nobody really seemed to know. Even, you know, real beat guys were reporting this, like, this might be a real, real thing, and then all of a sudden, you know, Illinois basketball tweets out, you know, the game time and everything like that, and he and Matthew Myers on the graphic, and obviously in the starting lineup, so that was a terrible look. Uh, Our buddy Steve Greenberg, I think he's with the Sun-Times, dropped his annual hit piece on Illinois, and just... You know, what a terrible state they're in, and Brad Underwood is is not the guy, and he shouldn't be... You know, the, the, the players aren't reacting to this hard yelling and coaching and the, the screaming. It's just not working out. So Steve Greenberg looks like a moron once again. He does this every single year. You can go through his tweets and see, oh, does he have any articles about how good the Illinois team looks? Oh, no, nothing? Oh, the second they struggle, boom, here comes the hit piece. Um, And then also, there was a football guy, there was a football commit, a transfer that was coming in, an offensive lineman from ECU, Avery Jones, who committed to Illinois like three weeks ago, and then all of a sudden announced that he was committing to Auburn. And then, so a bunch of guys were tweeting about that, and our buddy Jeremy Werner quote-tweeted it like, oh no, huge loss for Illinois. And our buddy Bert Bielema quote-tweeted Werner and said, really, huge loss? Something along those lines. So just Bert dunking on Werner was pretty hilarious. Overall, just a rough week for the journos out there. That's why they're walking the plank.
0: I like that. I like that. Uh, I think someone just... Here's my prediction of what ha- happened. Um, I think someone just like saw a door in the facility and like Luke Goody's foot was just outside of the door in like a <laughs> boot. And and somehow that because he's the only one wearing a boot. No. And somehow they he traded that...
1: it. In. He traded his boot. He gave it to the kid who sits next to him on the bench. The Connor. um Severin is that his name, oh, Jesse? Yeah. You know what oh, I'm talking okay. about? Oh, okay.
0: Well, maybe it maybe It's it pretty was funny him.
1: if you look along the bench. It's like, oh yeah, there's the boot. Like it's actually the guy next to Goody. Who's yeah, so
0: maybe the maybe they saw Connor <laughs> Servin and and that's what happened. I I don't know. I mean that it's pretty insane. Like to to hear that one of your best players like might be out for the year. Like 20 minutes before the game, and then he's <laughs> just he's just like warming up on the court. Um, Jess, what do you got?
2: Um, well, along the same lines of, of the Brad Underwood, uh, discussions, I'm going to make the Brad Underwood haters walk the plank (laughs) after the last two games come to find out he hasn't lost the locker room. He hasn't lost his players. Um, he's made adjustments and he's working with a new team, you know, it's a new scheme. He's, at a, he's, he's battled a lot of adversity. You know, you, you, you know, your most senior leader really coming back to this team because Coleman Hawkins isn't a leader was Luke Goody who gets injured, doesn't see the floor. Um, you know, you try and bring in two senior transfers that, you know, necessarily haven't taken that much of a leadership role yet. Um, and so, you know, team structure, everything it's, it's, um, it's, you know, he's working through it, and he's made adjustments, and it's working out. And this kind of gives me a platform to talk about some things you've said last week that got under my skin a little bit.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
2: So, you know, I, I'm one of those people that believes that I Kofi Coburn completely was a cheat code, but I think he was a handcuff. And you saw that in March in the tournament. And... You know, we could talk about the Loyola game, but I mean, even Kelvin Sampson after that. Houston, you want to talk about it? After, <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, right. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is happy times, Jube. Um, but yeah, the, the uh, <laughs> at, after that Houston game, Kelvin Sampson said like we knew exactly what they were gonna do. They they do the same thing. They run their offense through Kofi Coburn. You know, like we were uh, one dimensional. And this year is going to be something different. But going into this year, we always knew it was going to be a, a volatile, wild ride. A bunch of new guys hobbled together with young guys and transfers. And so, like, honestly, if you told me, okay, we beat uh, Texas and UCLA and lost some to some shitty big, big Ten teams and Mizzou game, like, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. But we had early success, and so, yeah, we're going to get down on Brad – it's silly um I, I I still think he can get it figured out by the time March comes around, and um so the haters can walk the plank
0: i I like that. Um, <laughs> I think you know when someone runs the same play fifty times in a game uh against Loyola and it never works. You know, something just gets in your mind that wonders if he can adjust. But, you know, that's a conversation <laughs> for me. Maybe an offseason pod, uh, depending on how this year goes. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, you look at teams and they don't have to peak in December. I mean, UNC was, if you look at last year, I mean, they were awful in December, January. They weren't even going to make the tournament. Um, and they had a lot of talent. Uh, and so you want them to write the ship. Um, no pun intended. Uh, by March, and that's that's kind of ultimately how I per- I personally will will judge the team. I, I know some people like Big Ten championships and Big Ten tournament championships, but I do want to see them do something in the tournament. Um, outside of losing in the uh, first weekend, uh, at some point, I think that's important for Brad Underwood and also just for the players to not be. I mean, against in the tournament, they played tight as well. But my walk the plank, and so I have two walk the planks. Um, First one is I would like Kisei Tominaga and uh, Wilhelm Bradenbach to walk the plank over to Illinois. Um, They're welcome to join the program at any time. Um, They are fantastic uh, players, they they play hard. Um, Loved what I saw out of them. Um, in the in in the Nebraska game. Um however, the other walk the plank, um, and uh I think a few listeners are gonna might get some uh mean tweets thrown at my uh burner Twitter account. Um I would like Sincere Harris to walk the plank to the bench um from the starting lineup. Oh uh oh boy. I think that Jaden Epps needs to be in the starting lineup. Um he ultimately plays the starters' minutes, and Sincere Harris does not. Um, if you look at particularly the Nebraska game, uh, Sincere Harris was 0 of six um, from the field, 0 for two from three point line, um, three steals, two turnovers. Um, it just really looks like, and I, I think this is a you know a scouting and March thing, but. He is a, he, at this point, he's a liability on offense. And if you look at um, how some teams played us, where they were daring De- Demonte Williams to shoot um, in March, um, or some Big Ten teams with scouting, you're really going to potentially get that with Sincere Harris in the starting lineup. And I think part of the reason that everybody was very excited about this team um, this year was the, kind of the ability for everybody to be able to make plays and shoot in the starting lineup. So I would like to see Sincere Harris in more of a spark plug role off of the bench to be able to change games like he did against UCLA um, and like he's done in some other games. So that is where I would put him. I understand that um, right now we don't have a ton of guys that can create off the bench. Um, we basically have Melendez, and then um, we have Ty Rogers, and we're going to get Luke Goody back. So maybe that's when he's going to make that change. But I really do think that um, Sincere Harris is probably better served on the bench because we need Epps' scoring, and we need to start games off hot.
2: I, I think Brad Underwood has some like secret obsession with bringing a— True starter off the bench because <laughs> he did that for with Andre Cabello for for two years where I think he just likes Jaden Epps coming off the bench. But I get what you're saying. He is an, an offensive liability. Him and Ty Rogers just cannot finish at the rim.
0: So those were good uh, planks and captains. Next segment, want to go to castaways. Um we like to check in on former Illini or sometimes former conference opponents, Kick it over to Shaps to talk about a couple of castaways.
1: Yep, castaways one of our favorite uh segments. We gotta mention the struggles down in Lexington first, uh with our buddies Chin and Orlando. Kentucky is uh is really struggling lately. They got crushed by Alabama a couple games ago, and they lost to the the terrible Gamecocks, which is like a new low for Kentucky. Shout out BBV also. He's on the Cox. But Kentucky is near the bottom of the SEC right now. Calipari is on the red-hot seat. Um, you can't keep losing at Kentucky and not showing results, so it's very possible that Chin and Antigua could be... In the unemployment line, pretty soon, but best of luck to them. A uh, couple other castaways we have to mention Lovey Smith, my favorite castaway at the moment. Uh, I can't really go into the details because we're not allowed to talk about that team on here, but thank you. Best of luck to Lovey Smith. And then a brand new castaway as of today, our buddy Kevin Warren. Again, Can't go into much detail now. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think this is a huge win as an Illini supporter. Uh, Hopefully the fix will no longer be in on some of our games, uh, certainly against Michigan. Uh, We'll be keeping a close eye on who the next Big Ten commissioner might be, but best of luck to Kevin Warren in his next role
0: yeah very very happy to see uh kevin warren elsewhere um maybe for a team that some of us root for that we don't m- really mention on the nope, podcast nope, 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 nope. um thank you shaps I want to bring it to our last segment we have a massive and i think at the beginning of the season you wouldn't think this was a massive game um, by any means, but Michigan state is a four and one in the big 10. I believe someone can check me on that. And I'm pretty sure that's correct. Um, they are first place along with Purdue. Uh, we are two and three and to close the gap on the one loss teams. Um, I don't think Chaps Jesse, I don't think we played Purdue till literally the last game of the year. That that's right. Um, so, You want to be within striking distance um, of the one-loss teams. Uh, It's still early, a lot of of games left, but given our start, this feels like a game that really, if we got this one, we're really looking at a potential uh, chance to make it interesting um, as we get closer to March. Um, So we got Michigan State tomorrow. I believe Dr. D. um, Point... (laughs) tweeted out the line at minus four and a half.
2: Yeah. We don't have to um, guess.
0: We don't have to guess.
2: I feel like uh, he's always like a point off
1: though. He, I think he
2: gets his lines.
1: Yeah. I don't know where spot. he gets his line. I, I totally agree with you, Jesse. Cause mine shows Is it, it open usually? at minus five. Okay.
2: And- I didn't even look at this one, honestly.
1: So uh, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I show minus five and it's actually up to minus six, which means, uh, Joe already bet on it.
0: <laughs> um, is he usually? I feel like he would usually be like a point off in Illinois's direction. Like he <laughs> I don't basically... think he means to <laughs>
2: juice it in either way. I think he just gets bad lines.
0: That's fair. So yeah. uh, Illinois is twenty uh, fourth in Ken Palm um, as of I think seven PM tonight. Michigan is fortieth. Uh, they're they're sixty first in offense, uh, thirty nine in defense. So uh, definitely decent on the defensive end. Um, Their length and athleticism is is something that um, we see a lot out of Michigan State, and it's one of the reasons why um, they give Illinois problems in some years uh, because I think they're one of the few teams that can compete with Illinois' athleticism at multiple positions. Um, They also have um, Hoggard and A.J. Walker, who are probably— if you were to pick who, a, a starting backcourt right now in the Big Ten, uh, you might take them as your top two. Um, so I think this is this will be a good game. Michigan State has won and beaten some good opponents. They've I think they only got lost to Gonzaga by one. Um, so really excited to see them come out tomorrow. Uh, Michigan State has only lost one game with Malik Hall fully healthy um and playing. So he should be in the lineup and so it'll be interesting to see um if they can keep that streak going. Uh, they've only lost to Gonzaga with him, but want to get your guys thoughts on the games before we wrap up.
1: Yeah, big game. Uh Michigan State comes in red hot. They've won 7 games in a row. Ironically, their last loss was also to Chicago's Big 10 team. Um but the problem, yeah, the problem that they they don't really, you know, strike fear into you. But the problem is, is they're they're a very old team, and and we've kind of struggled with that. That you know, it's all seniors and juniors in their starting lineup, and yeah, like Jubes mentioned, really good backcourt with with Tyson Walker and AJ Hogard. They rely on those guys a lot, um, and then Joey Hauser and Malik Hall on the wings with uh maddie sissoko down low who's we know who's is is quite the physical player i think he's the guy that that gave uh that gave the broken nose to uh to to io and made him Mm -hmm. wear that mask we did sweep um we did sweep them last season actually but it was it was two really really close games and one of the games was without kofi actually and like I looked back at it and BBV and Omar Payne played like a ton of minutes and like both just racked up the fouls of course. But uh but we played them really really tough. It was like a really low scoring defensive game of course without Kofi. And then if you remember that second game against them was also really close and that was the when that was the one where Trent hit that dagger three real late in the game to bury them. Cause then I think he did it like a few games later against Michigan also, and then that was the whole like Trent owns the state of Michigan thing. <laughs> so so we played them really really <laughs> tough last year. <laughs> we Dr. played. D wasn't on that one. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> so we so we know it's going to be a real physical team. It's going to be interesting because. Yeah, we're a physical team. So are they. I think it's really going to be impacted by how the refs call the game. Seriously, because like, here we go. (laughs) I know. Well, I'm just saying they're going to have it. I'm not ready to complain yet. I'm saying it's going to have a big impact on the game because both teams don't really shoot the three all that well. Like both teams really want to get in the lane and, and, and do their work there. Uh, you know, slashing, they have I mean Walker and Hauser can obviously shoot the ball pretty well but those are the only guys you really have to like close out hard on. Sissoko's not that much of a scoring threat really. He's more in there for like rebounding and defense. Um but you know Dane can can match up pretty well with him. So it it'll be interesting. It it will be a lot of pressure on our guards though for sure like with Harris and Apps that they're they're going to get they're going to be on Tyson and Tyson Walker and and Hogard a lot. So if they can limit them, that'll that'll be a, a key matchup in this one. And this is the only time, by the way, that we play Michigan State this season.
0: We only play them once. Yeah, I mean, I'll let Jess chime in, but they're four and one, so this is a great opportunity to get back in in the in the Big Ten fight. Which I don't think we need to win the Big Ten, but I think if you look at all of our teams on paper, Illinois is, again, probably one of the more talented teams um, in the Big Ten. So it would be nice to get back up in the standings because right now it kind of looks flipped um, based on who's up there. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: and I just want to see if we can continue this, mm-hmm. like and the last two games weren't flukes or anything, that we can take on a little better of an opponent and, and actually continue this momentum. I don't know. Jesse, what do you think?
2: Yeah, no, with Chaps, I agree with you there, where, okay, it was the Tyler Wall game against Wisconsin, and honestly, like, Nebraska was kind of the uh, Juwan Gary game. I mean, he was their best player, and he didn't play the whole second half, and that's where we really took off. Like, we were the better team, we should have won that game, but, like, both those have semi asterisks next to them. Um, so yeah, I mean, this would be a great win. I mean, you guys did did a good summary. Um, I don't have much else to add, but, but one thing I did want to say was credit to Dr. Spinney. He had Michigan state as his like sleeper pick of the big 10 in his preseason previews. I don't know if you guys remember this. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got it plastered up on the wall here (laughs) so that when he's wrong,
1: I can, I can laugh at him. But great yeah. call. I, yeah, I don't think he's he's too wrong
2: about it. But, <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's, it's super early. It would be nice to be uh, 500 in the Big Ten. And, I mean, this season, as we know, it's going to be an absolute dogfight. Like, Purdue is the only true, like, good team <laughs> in the Big Ten. Or, I guess you maybe you'd say borderline great team. Um, so, like... You know, I think six losses might be able to win the Big Ten. So, like, we're, we're certainly still in the fight, and so, um, yeah, Friday's yeah, going to be huge. Yeah, it's
1: a great measuring stick, for sure, is this is this game, for sure. And I was surprised by the line. I, I didn't think it would we were going to be this heavily favored, but I've been surprised a few times. Vegas seems to really like us. I, I don't know why exactly, Jubes, uh, are they are they looking at the analytics or what are they seeing that Illini fans might not be seeing?
0: No, I mean th- they're looking at Ken Palm full body of work, and then you also get a couple points at home. I mean, on a neutral court, we're probably talking about like a you know an Illini minus two and a half, minus three type of situation. Um, but at home, you get you get a couple of points. Um, right, right now, Mich- in in Big Ten. I know it's early. Um, Purdue has about a seventy-five percent chance to win at least a share of the Big Ten. Um, That's Michigan a lot. Michigan has a three percent chance, and Illinois has about a two percent chance. Um, they were at about 0. .4 a couple games ago, so obviously this can change pretty quickly based on how they play. But um, it just goes to show that, th- and I, and I like I like the Sean Harrington approach. Um, to the Big Ten standings where he does the plus one for a win on the road and a minus one yep. for a loss at home. I think that's a great way to look at it um, because you, if you are the better team at home and you are favored, that is a game that you really don't want to let get away from you if you want to compete for a conference title. Um, usually, I mean... It happens every year where teams lose on the road to um, or at home to an inferior opponent, but you really got to keep, you, you got to hold serve at home uh, if you want to win the Big Ten. It's just kind of the way it goes. Uh, Ohio State just lost to Michigan or Minnesota tonight um, at home. So that's going to be a difficult one to crawl out from. And, and they, they were third in odds uh, before that game started. So... In- and we
1: got and we got Minnesota next on Monday after after the Smarty game. So I hope the boys aren't looking ahead to that one.
0: And that's on the road, right?
1: <laughs> yes,
0: that is in the in the uh in the Twin Cities. Yeah. So if we can rattle these couple off, um, I think the schedule was pretty favorable in terms of at least where you were playing your good opponents. Um, most of them were at home in January, so um, this would be. A big win to kind of get ourselves on on the right track because I agree both those games, they're they're wins, but and I think we needed them. But you could the 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 fans of those teams would easily say, yeah, well we didn't have X Y Z um throughout the game. And R- Rutgers right now has a twenty five percent chance to win at least a share of the the Big Ten. Um, they're in second place. So, um, with that, uh, we. We'll be signing off for the evening, Jess or uh, Shaps you got any closing thoughts?
1: Crush the Jubes, Way to fill in as uh, as steering the ship tonight uh, for for the Sudsy. We've got a lot of number crunchers on the Java Men. So you know when that new fiscal year starts up, uh, <laughs> we we gotta earn those paychecks. Believe it or not, we don't we don't get paid for the
0: uh, podcasting yet. Yeah, under understandable. Yeah, our our normal MC was uh, late night at the office tonight, and probably will be for the next couple of weeks here. But uh,
2: God bless our accountants.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks, Slags. We appreciate you. All right, boys, signing off.
2: I L L. See ya. Yeah, it's time to walk
0: the plank.